Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuining Bill. Welcome back to The Law Report. Um, hope you've enjoyed that chat with uh, Notando Migeri. But now I have uh, Sakumzi uh, Langa. And, and I think the aim of my aim this evening is just to just to, you know, given that it's the start of the year, it's January, and, 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 and we all find inspiration in, in different places and at different times. So it's not always your Warren Buffett that will serve you at this time to just give you some perspective, give you some motivation, you know, give you a sense of it's possible, it's doable. Uh, sometimes it can be a, a Notando and sometimes it can be a Sakumzi. And, um, and, and I hope that's what you get um, from, from, from the, the, the discussions tonight. Um, uh, 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 so, so, and, and, and of course, you know, I, I know it, it's, it's an intimate, it sounds like a very closed discussion, but if, if you want to chat to any of the, the guests, you, you're more than welcome to, to give me a call. You can do so on 86 959 good evening to you and thank you so much for joining us on The Law Report. Good evening, Michael. Good evening to your viewers. You're most welcome. I, I, I um, read, um, uh, I think it was a tweet or something to that effect, about your story. And, um, and, and I don't know whether you gave it that title, The Long Walk to the Great Hall Success Story. <laughs> is, is, that, is that your uh, uh, a title? Is it something that you came up with? And, and, and perhaps tell us why we're talking about The Long Walk to the Great Hall. Okay, so the, the title of The Long Walk to Freedom is actually not my title. Yeah. It came up with one of the VIPs journalists who was, uh, was uh, following my story during my four years at VIPs. Yeah. I think she decided to title it the long, story, I mean, the long Walk to the Great Hall. So the Great Hall is that graduation center of VIPs. So I think she decided to call it that because I think really, uh, by the true definition of the word, it was a very long walk. Yeah. So I'll just, uh, if you will, I'll just share my story briefly. And then maybe you'll appreciate why she decided to call it the long walk to Great Hall. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, I come from a family of eight. And, uh, yeah, my dad was a Mozambican, came into the country in the, I think, late, early 90s. And then she moved all the way down to Eastern Cape Mtata. So that's where I stay and that's where I was born. So my dad met this woman who was way younger than her, who is now my mom. And they had eight children between themselves. So I was the seventh born of a family of eight. Mm-hmm. And then in 2000, my dad uh, suffered from stroke. And then a year before that, my mom uh, had uh, disappeared on us. Hmm. So it was in 2000 where by the true definition of the word, you could, you, you could have said that I was an orphan because sure. my mom had disappeared on us, all eight children, and my dad had passed away. So it was really difficult in 2000, really. We were surviving from the pocket to mouth. Uh, people. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Just to give... Yeah. As a perspective, how old are you now? I am 27 now. Yeah, so, so you would have been 10 at that time. Were you you yeah, would have been about 8 years old in, in the yeah, year 2000. Eight, seven, yeah. So I think that's when I became an orphan, Yeah, when I was 8 years. Mm. And yeah, I think it was really tough then because it was just 8 of us, my siblings, and then we're staying in a two-bedroom house in uh, in Memtata, in a rural area they're called in Malin. Mm-hmm. So it was very tough. I mean, very few relatives wanted to help. I mean, I used to walk barefoot to my school uh, in cold winter nights uh, during my grade one and grade two, the rural mm-hmm. areas, until the community and the family members saw that the situation was so dire, they decided to call on social workers to come help us out, and then they moved us to an orphanage home, 
called SOS Children's Villages. And Michael, I think that's uh, also in the life. in the Eastern Cape, as Yeah, in the Eastern Cape, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like in the southern side of the Eastern Cape, a place called Estuadua. Mm-hmm. So I think, Michael, that's where my life really changed. Because, I mean, when I was in the rural areas, I was not bathing, I didn't have shoes, I didn't have a routine. Uh, I didn't always go to school. So it was really, really tough. And my big brother, opportunity said, just uh, failed to create 10 work. So it was very, very tough. And there was no hope that uh, that uh, there was, the storm was ever going to stop. Mm-hmm. So when we got to the orphanage room, I think that was the blessing. Um, that God uh, gave us, yeah. because that's when we're taught to bath two times, for instance, to brush our teeth, all that routine, take him to school. And uh, I think uh, one of the village directors actually told me something very important when I got there. Guy told me that, uh, guys, I'm aware of your struggle. What's going to take you out of your misery? Or what's not? What's going to make you to not go back to where you come from is if you invest in education, because you don't have trust funds or you don't have any rich family members anyway. So if you don't invest yourself in education, then you'll go back to the tough life you had before coming to SOS. So I think ever since I heard that uh, uh, I can make something out of my life through education, I invested heavily in education, studied very hard. Um, I went to high school called Zingis. I worked very hard on my marks. And then I got about four distinctions for matric, 98% in history and 80, 88% in math. I'm not intending to steal the the glow of the current matriculants, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was it. So admitted it was admitted a bit. Um and I saw the first year I'm a bit, the orphanage was paying for me because I didn't have um funds. Yeah. But I mean it was tough. I mean, uh, so 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 now um, uh, if you've just tuned in, we, we, we're really just talking about stories of triumph that relates to law and how people have engaged with and become lawyers uh, through potentially the most dire of circumstances. And uh, my guest this evening is uh, Sakumzi Langa, and he's sharing with us the difficulties that he's had to overcome to get to a point where he is a lawyer and we're just going back in time from the time that he lost his parents at the at the age of eight and 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 um so so that's the show and 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 the hope really is is to take Sakumzi's story as as we did Notando's story and 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 as we can with with the many stories that are out there um about how we can help you and help each other because you know Sakumzi's story is not is inspiration to me it's inspiration to ADG it's inspiration to all of us because all of us sit and say, oh, it's January and, oh, man, these are my challenges. This is, this is oh, my circumstance. I feel so sorry for myself. And here's somebody that says, you know, I, I needed to be taught to bath twice a day um, at that age. And, and, and I, had, I was helpless, but I had seven other people that were helpless with me. Um, and, and, and yet I can have a story uh, on Kaya FM where the theme of that story is the long walk to the Great Hall. So, 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 so Sakumzi, you, you, you were still talking, but I think you jumped a little bit of a step there. A lot of people, um, when I talk to them, the transition, so you grew up in, in that two-bedroom house that you've described, you moved to the, to the, to the orphanage home, and you went to VIT, but going to VIT is one thing. A lot of people I chat to talk about the the culture shock and the tradition of now not only getting uh, going to Johannesburg but also getting into a tertiary institution. How was that like for you? It was very tough, Michael. I have to tell you, but I think uh, um, 
my desire to succeed was so strong and it overcame the fear and all the things that I've heard about it. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, the cultural shock was insane. I was a poor boy coming from a rural background uh, in Malini, and then I get into this uh, very big multiracial institution called Vits University where you have other festivals driving your dream cars and you've got, yeah, like you are in a space which is very intimidating and which you are not used to. But I think that didn't bother me because I knew that I was there to get my degree. I knew that I wanted to get there and be a lawyer. So I, I, I had to push either way. Yeah. Um, and I think, like I said, the desire to succeed was just way more than any feeling of fear inside my body. I think one thing which yeah. is evident of that is that you have one, there was one course of it which had one of the highest failure rates. It was called Roman law or Latin law, which uh-huh. we used to do the first year. It's called Foundations of South African Law. Mm-hmm. So that course had a, a highest failure rate of its university, not at law school, but in the whole of its university. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you'd have fourth years and third years and second years in one class, but it was a first year course. So when I got there, obviously there were a lot of talks about it and people intimidating us about the course. So I invested myself a lot in it, worked very hard. And then in my first year, I was the top student in that course. So I got better marks than people that were in fourth year, third year, and mm. first year. Whatever. And that had been doing it for the second, third time. <laughs> yeah, so you say. Yeah, so I think that was just uh, that, 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 uh, that desire to succeed and the hunger for success that pushed me through. And yeah, it was when I got to Joburg, I didn't have any relatives. Like I got here with my social worker, no friends, no one from high school, which I knew. And it was I had known that I had to move away from my from my hometown for me to be successful. That whole thing of let me go to NMMU or Tatsuri University, I knew it was not going to help me because once you've got support around you, you've got plan B, then you don't take your plan A seriously. So when I was at Vits, I knew that either I make it or I don't make it, and that there's nothing I have that, uh, I mean, that I've got nothing to fall on. So fortunately, I got into men's res, I got into law school, I, I pushed out my first year, I got like four distinctions, Dean's Merit List, Golden Keys, and then second year, that's when the orphanage started complaining, saying, dude, we can't find your fees anymore, because the other kids that want to be taken to high school and primary school, mm. and you are here, it's taking about 70000 a year, Jeez. so please get a bursary, or you can just drop out of this. So that's when I panicked, then applied for every person, every funder that was out there, and then fortunately I got the Anglo-American full bursary, so Anglo funded my entire my entire varsity time. Wow, yeah, um, to them. And then yeah, and then afterwards I got articles at Weber Wenzel, mm-hmm. which is like the second biggest law firm in let, Africa. Let me take a break because now we'll, we'll you know I want us to talk about now you know post graduation. I want to take a break and when we come back I continue my discussion talking to Sakum Zilanga. Know your rights, know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuining Bill. Welcome back to the Law Report. I'm in conversation uh, with Sakum Zilanga. And uh, he um, has just shared with us a story where orphaned or technically or uh, orphaned um, at age eight um, has managed to attain great success um, in his studies uh, in law. But not just that. You, Before we took the break, uh, Sakum you were telling us about now having graduated entry into um, your articles. Yeah. Yeah, so Michael, I secured my article at Weber Wenzel in second year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very unprecedented. Usually people go years without uh, uh, obtaining the article. So I was fortunate enough to obtain that in my second year at varsity. And then once I graduated, at least I was guaranteed a job the next year. So I went to Weber Wenzel, did my articles there for two years. 
uh, passed my boards, <coughs> and then I was admitted. I mean, I was admitted as an associate. So I was an admitted attorney at Webers for like one year. And so, yeah, I mean, that was ultimately, I mean, I thought that uh, I've made it in life. Nothing can surprise me. I was starting to be a little cocky. Uh, <laughs> oh, I forget to tell you that, I mean, I also went to the state to do a certificate um, uh, through an exchange program, as it. Yeah, so <clears throat> what happened is um, I was an associate at Webers for a year. Mm-hmm. And so with a VTLB, with a certificate from the state, and with all these credentials of, like, I'm unstoppable or I'm invincible. So I decided to leave Webers. <laughs> I decided to resign without another job. And I sure. think that uh, is what humbled me at that time. It was, like, 2017, December, decided to resign. Mm. I thought I was going to get a job the next day. So <laughs> it didn't turn out that way. Six months down the line, I and And, and you had reasons for wanting to resign? Yeah, yeah, I do have reasons. In, in hindsight, were they were they legitimate reasons, or was it just as as you put it? You know, they were legitimate reasons. When I look back, I'm like, I would still leave even if that would happen with my current employer. So yeah, mm. so, yeah. So, th- so it's not really that you were cocky, or is it? Yeah, yeah, not that. Yeah, but I mean, I think the cocky part is leaving one employer without another employer <laughs> on the other side. Yeah, yeah, that was the cocky part. But I think the reasons I still think they legitimate till this day. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I left, and then I mean, first month, second month, third month, fourth month, fifth month, still without a job. So obviously, I'm starting to panic, and then you forget whether or not you are as good as you are, or you are hardworking, and then. You kind of fall into some mini depression where you close everyone out, and and yeah. and, and and at this time, no doubt, your family six months into unemployment, your family, when you're doing your articles, your the, the, your siblings, as it were, and first year as an attorney, they're beginning to look up to you, but not just for inspiration, potentially also for support. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I mean, that uh, it comes without saying, yeah, because, I mean, there's always that need to support your family because mm. I'm the first one to make it to university, first one to get the degree, to get a degree out of my family. So there's a lot of pressure that comes with it and a lot of expectations. So once I stayed six months in the market without a degree, I mean, it was largely disappointing because they couldn't believe by who... Uh, LLP person, done articles, you practice for a year, no one is employing you in the market. So that was fine. I mean, I was fortunate enough to get a job, I think, in June 2017, where I was uh, a lawyer in a mining company, and I think that was a turnaround. I think ever since then, I've always uh, uh, stepped back on the accelerator again and pushed very hard Mm -hmm. uh, and make sure that I don't lose track of what I'm doing. But I think the important part, Michael, is that six months, um, which I stayed unemployed and and the characters which I showed and the resilience which I showed because many people fall into depression or they commit suicide once those things happen. But I knew that, I mean, I kept on trying every day. I mean, it was so difficult at some stage that you'd not even have money to go to a, to, to an internet cafe, print a CV, put it in, and then and then send to employers. Um, but, I mean, still, <clears throat> you have to show great character. You have to pray a lot. You must have faith in God, and you must uh, pray that... Uh, your your breakthrough is going to come. And I think that's perhaps a message to the people out there which uh, things are not going right for them at the moment. Mm. That all you have to do is to wake up every day and do what you have to do. And usually one thing gives in. And if it's not you, then it's the challenge. Uh, I mean, it's a cliche, but um, it's very correct that uh, tough times don't last, tough people do. And I think um, 
though I've made it, so like, I mean, I've, 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 since the age of eight, growing in a two-bedroom in rural areas and making my way up through the years, mm. I think that's six months from having a car, staying in Centin, working for a second biggest law firm in Africa, to not having a job, to retaining my car, to staying with a friend in the South was, was a really testing time of my life. I could have just given in and went back to my rural areas, smoked weed and did whatever people do. <laughs> but um, I didn't. I, I, I prayed a lot and, um, and I believed that my breakthrough was going to come. And yeah, here yeah, I am. It's like uh, eight months now since that phase and, and I'm, I'm stronger than I was before then. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. so, so, you know, people often say when, when, when you talk to a lot of people, they, they often describe how these experiences of the way you grew up, for example, the the the, the six month stint of of a re suffering, as it were, just made up a word. Um, <laughs> Brilliant, <laughs> re suffering. Um, how how that sort of how does that make you? You know, how does that feed into your life today as a young lawyer, as a as a young professional, as a as a as a black professional, as a black person? You know, yeah. in, in other words. Are you at a, in a position where you could say, you know, I don't think that, you know, if if I, you know, maybe complete this sentence, if I didn't go through these struggles, I wouldn't what? Yeah, so I think the view and the perspective that comes naturally with having a tough background is, is understanding and wanting to seek reasons to the way in which people behave. Mm. Because in these big corporate spaces which we are in, though we all want to look cool, wear nice suits, but there are stories behind everyone's life. Mm. And sometimes people won't be able to do something. And I think what I've learned is that you can't judge those people on the face value of it. So you must try and see where they grew up, the challenges they had. Because sometimes you've got very mean bosses who don't listen to anyone and blah, blah, blah and they are characterized as tyrants, which no one wants to work with. But I think growing up in an orphanage home has, has given me a reason enough to, to not judge those people and maybe try and understand why they behave that way. And, and maybe it has... <clears throat> I, th- I think the experience has also humbled me down and made me pay a lot of attention to detail. So, for instance, the stuff which um, is, uh, is not... Uh, <clears throat> The stuff which many people call support stuff, like your kinas, your, 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 your the gardeners, the security mm-hmm. guard. I mean, to sit down and chat with those people and, 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 and help where you can and, and just be humble and treat them with utmost respect and dignity. So I think those are the things that my upbringing has, has, has enlightened me to, to respect everyone, regardless of what they can offer me or what they can do for me. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that, that's it really in as far as, 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 my, as my upbringing has to do with the way I live my life now. And obviously I try to give as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I was going to ask that, but I thought it's an unfair question to ask that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought by asking that question I might be... I'm not giving money. I think giving is not about money. Yeah. misinterpreted. I think giving has a lot with actually giving. What are you giving? So mm. sometimes to give someone your time, I mean, I don't mean to be quirky, but I used to charge about 2000 an hour. So if I listen to you for 30 minutes, you owe me a thousand rand already. Yeah. So if I sit with you and I listen, I think I've given you a lot already because my mail and I've advised you. Um, so, so giving, like I said, it's not about money, it's about mm. time, it's about respect, it's about dignity, it's about treatment. Um, so I'll just make a, a small example. When I was at the orphanage, 
I respected someone would come to the orphanage and listen to our complaints and talk to us than someone who'd come there with shoes and take pictures of us giving us those shoes mm. and then they'll leave without even knowing your name, without even knowing what you ate this morning, whatever, whatever, chase me, without even knowing what um, I ate that morning. Mm. So I appreciated that giving more. And so I just don't want to fall into that stereotype as well. Now that I think that I'm out of that life, to go into orphanage and donate T-shirts and, and all those things. Yeah, Usually, but I mean, but I mean, you could argue that you know that the, the money, the seventy thousand rands that you had to pay every year, also sort of it didn't come with just the listening and the. So <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, look, I, 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 so, I, so, so I, I'm not sure, given given the time, whether this will be my last question. But if it is, um, uh, uh, so be it. Hope I hope I'm able to squeeze in a few more. Yeah. What what I what 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 you always hear is that you know success breeds success, and I think that's that's a true statement for many people. But I think your your success is 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 in many ways a huge success because because a kid coming from Parktown Boys or, or let me not even use that a kid coming from Cares, um, um, and you know graduating at Verts and going through exactly the same. Um, life as you have in many ways is not your equal in the sense that you had to first come out of a hole to be able to compete with them um, uh, on par um, so so I think that your success as is many people's success as is many South African successes is immeasurable so you know uh, uh, in the sense of where you, what you had to overcome and therefore, the, the saying that success breeds success, having attained this immeasurable success as I see it, um, has it, has it sort of put you in a position where you're saying, well, actually, this is where I am at age, I, I think you said 27. Yeah, 27. Now, I want, now more success is to be bred and I am to be there at 37. Or has it made you feel like you know what? Dalang sokola, sing figile, sing right. What has your struggles done for you in terms of your outlook in life? Yeah. So, I, Michael, I think uh, I mean uh, to me, I've I mean we grew up at the orphanage under that principle. You know, there's there's no success if you're the only one who's successful. Mm-hmm. You have to bring with you all your mates, all your friends, and, and as many people as you can. And I try to do that as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate that ultimately the the chief decider is money. Because if you don't have money, you really you don't have a lot of say. Mm-hmm. But with the legal that I can, I try to push the few that I can. I try to mentor the the bright academically ones from my orphanage, which mm-hmm. I think have got a future. I help them with applications. Mm. And um, yeah, and I do listen to them. I do mentor them. I do advise them when they get into Joburg. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm happy that I am, I am, I am disproving the stereotype that riches breeds riches or mm. success gives birth to another success. Mm. Because I mean, here is someone who does not have a rich person in their family, but has managed to. Well, I'm not rich, but I've managed to to make it through the shuttles. Because my dad was an, um, an unskilled or unqualified unqualified builder, and my mom was a traditional healer. And I mean, both of them, okay, my mom hasn't passed away, but my dad passed away without even owning a cell phone. So that's how uh, humbled they were, or that's how 
not rich they were. So yeah, um, yeah but I even, I mean I managed to, to pull through and and, uh, and and be where I am now. So I'm happy that I dispel that spirit, knowing where you want to go, and just truly believing that tomorrow is gonna be better. Just keep on pushing every day. Yeah, I was right. something has to give in, and if that's not you, it is the challenge. I can't overstate that um, tough times don't last. Mm. Tough people do. No, Sakumzi, uh, thank you so much. I think uh, I think the conversation that we're having is also well timed because there's a lot of people. Um, who've set ambitions and goals for 2019 and we're right at the start of it. And we are in a position where this is the time where you can say, well, hang on, hang on, hang on just a minute. If Sakumzi coming from an orphanage in the Eastern Cape can come and, 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 and be where he is at, at age 27 because, because it is triumph, it is success, maybe I can do this, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe I can apply for that bursary. Maybe I can take my good results, run around, see who can help me. And maybe I can take words that, you know, came out um, many years ago where somebody says education is the only way you're going to get out of here. Take just that one sentence and let it inform and inspire your life. That's uh, Sakumzi Langa. Thank you so much for chatting to us. And most of all, Thank you uh, for listening and spending time with me this evening. I'm back again next Wednesday. Good night. And I hope uh, my story is going to inspire hope to other kids that also come from difficult backgrounds, that um, that uh, you don't need trust funds or you don't need a rich family or these former models, these schools to be successful in life. I think it's about character. It's about faith. It's about knowing where you come from. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.